Welcome to City Talk with Sabrina Bangle and Lee Bettis. It is Friday once again, and welcome. It's time for City Talk. You are here live with Lee and Sabrina, and every other day is Friday, Lee. I tell you, I say that every week, but it's true. Friday comes quicker and quicker. It's it just, just seemed amazing. like it was Monday. I know. Four days it's ago. It's just... Uh, and you know the month is about to be over. Another yeah. month in the in the books. I mean, it's just crazy. It's gonna be Christmas before we know it. Like what? Three months till Christmas. Are you so, doing your Christmas shopping? No, I am the worst shopper in the world. <laughs> Have I, you started decorating your house yet? No, for but Christmas? I will. Because <laughs> you know that I do, that's the one thing I do like to do is the is the decoration part. And well, and it must take I you like months. I like to cook and bake. It really doesn't. I'm very organized. It really doesn't because I know where everything goes and I have Macy's it all, has nothing on you. I have it all in boxes and I have it labeled and you know I'm one. I'm just real. You label the boxes. I label the. Where's boxes. Where's the fun in that then? Yeah. I like <laughs> opening those boxes. Going, all right, what is it? All right, that's Halloween. It goes on the tree. It'll be fine. But um, so, by the way, Sabrina's got. Um, in case you hadn't been there, she's got what forty or fifty trees you put up. My yeah, I, I do like Christmas trees. In a, in a live say. manger scene. Oh, get out of here! But I have a beautiful manger scene that I bought um, in Bethlehem. Actually, uh, when I went when I went to Israel, uh, we went to Bethlehem, and it was just amazing. And they have a shop um, right when you get over the border from Israel. Well, because it's Palestinian occupied, so you have to cross the a border check to get into Bethlehem. They should build a wall. They have a wall. Oh. <laughs> They're way ahead of us. So uh, you go in there, and um, it's uh, a shop that you go into. It's all Christian Palestinians. And uh, because they are kind of discriminated against and it's hard for them to find jobs, they hand carve out of olive wood um, all kinds of beautiful things. And one was a little manger scene that I bought, and it was I can't wait to see it's it. It's a treasured possession now, and I was really glad to have it. Hey, by the way, we have a great show today. We have an excellent it, show it, today. I mean, and better thank than, you for arranging this. Better than, a week better than <laughs> any other show. Last week's show was great with the historian. Oh, Eddie Ellis was awesome. He was absolutely awesome. Um, why? Now, they're saying, not sure why Chip isn't on Thursday at 7 p.m. What's that all about? I, I have no idea. Uh, Eric, they'll probably... Uh, uh, check it out, but, but I uh, hey, because he's our guest, that's why. Eric. Before we jump in with those guys, I just I have a little problem I want to bring up with you. Okay, um, you know Kelly's from Texas, and I'm I'm Italian, and I have like 30 tomato plants out there, and we're having more tomatoes. So last night she just started taking the tomatoes and chucking them. Oh, don't let her do that. Well, they were rotten, but okay, still, you, rotten. you can make it. You can make a paste out of them, even if they're rotten. Yeah, but you could. She can. Um, why doesn't she make some salsa? <laughs> She's from Texas. I know. That's what I'm thinking. It's an Italian thing, though. Yeah, she should do that. I have Tell more tomatoes. Me. Do you yeah, need you tomatoes, by any chance? I'll take them in a heartbeat. All right, I got like 50 of I them. Because I always, you know, I cook them down, and I make great Italian sauce, and, you know, so. All right, There's I'll bring you. Always a reason to have tomatoes. I'll bring you always. in a sack of tomatoes. I know, but nobody understands that, unless they're Italian. <laughs> There's always reasons to have tomatoes Always around. reasons to have tomatoes. All right, so. What are we going to do? Who, who have we got here today? You tell me. Okay, so I'm so excited. I always love when we have um, our sheriff in the house, it's always good to have Thank him in the house. So today we've got Sheriff Chip Hughes, and we have our district attorney, Scott Thomas, who I've known. We, we were reminiscing a little bit, and um, I actually, back in my travel agency days when I was a travel agent, um, booked his honeymoon for him. So I can't believe, you know, he's been married. 1996. So what's that, 20 25 years, years this yeah, year, yeah. 25 years. Mm -hmm. 
as children are about grown and uh you know life goes on so welcome to sit thank talk you. both thank of you, you. Glad, to, glad to have you here this morning and you know um being a, the district attorney is a really important job here in our, our community and for a lot of people don't understand what a district attorney does mm -hmm. you know i guess he's the top attorney we got the top cop and the top attorney yeah. here you know what what does that entail well i tell people when i describe our job as the district attorney myself and my prosecutors are responsible for prosecuting any violation of state law anything from a seatbelt ticket to a first degree capital murder case and the district that i serve are three counties carter craven and pamlico counties and i have 13 assistant district attorneys and 13 legal assistants uh, and though we have an office in each county, our main office is here in Newburn, uh, which is the largest county and where we have the bulk of our cases, but also uh, have an office in Beaufort and Carteret County where I have a staff and also in Pamlico County. Uh, so we work very closely with law enforcement, with our sheriffs, police chiefs, and our law enforcement officers and victims of crime uh, to be sure that cases are properly handled when they get to our criminal courts and state court. How is the district determined? <clears throat> I mean, especially now we're, we're going to redistrict everything right. where representatives, I mean, do they redistrict the courts or how is that all determined? No, I mean, well, years ago when the district first started out back in probably the uh, 70s, uh, late 70s and early 80s, it was Pitt, Carteret, Craven, and Pamlico. And then those that district became so large, it was divided. So now uh, Pitt County is on its own. And Honest to God, Pitt County Pitt, was yeah. part of us? That's right. So, That's how we got 3A and 3B. It was District 3, which was Pitt County, Carter, Craven, and Pamlico. And back then, uh, David McFadden was an assistant district attorney. He worked over on in this end of the district. The district was divided, and Pitt County became their own district, and then Carter, Craven, and so Pamlico. 3A and well, they they're, they're were th they were three A and we were three B. Now we're prosecutorial district four. It has been renumbered, okay. but our counties are the same: Carter, Craven, and Pamlico. What would make that change? Because you know, as as the counties are growing, we're seeing. Well, we didn't see growth. Right. In Craven County decreased two percent, I believe, but there's yeah. growth, pretty significant growth. Well, we're we're not the prosecutorial districts are not subject to the same redistricting requirements in terms of population and growth and and the census as the legislative and congressional districts. So ours generally is based on the, to try to keep us the same as the judicial districts, keep that in uh -huh. the prosecutorial districts the same. Well, that's interesting. Those uh -huh. are questions that yeah. people ask for. And gosh, 13 assistant DA. So it takes yes. a lot because I guess you have to have them to cover each county. You can't be everywhere. When do you actually then go in? I need, You're at the top of the food chain. So yeah. when do you actually, do you just try the bigger cases or how does that Yes, work? Uh, I'm personally involved in all the murder cases in the three counties. I have assistant district attorneys, uh, one in Carter County and, and, and ADAs here in Craven, and we cover Craven and Pamlico for our murder cases. But I'm personally involved in all of those cases, uh, working with the prosecutors and the victims in those cases. And then uh, I'm ultimately responsible for all the cases in the district, but I supervise and work closely with the prosecutors. Uh, fortunately, I have prosecutors who most of them have been with me for a good while. They're very experienced and they handle the cases appropriately uh, within the law that we have to apply. Uh, so they can handle those on their own. There's some that if I have some uh, personal knowledge or interest in, then they keep me posted on a more updated basis. But you're right, we do have on any given day, we have several courts going on in our three counties. For instance, we cover uh, Superior Court. That's where our major felony cases are handled. Uh, it involves jury trials. 
We have district court in each county, and that's where we're handling misdemeanors and traffic offenses. We have juvenile court and also probation violation courts. Well, and of course, you couldn't do what you do without the sheriff, and you two have to work so closely together. Yes. I think that's really important. And I promised we weren't going to get political, but I am going to say this. It's amazing for you to be from two different political parties, but yet the goal is the same, is to protect the citizens of this county and mm -hmm. to make sure that those who commit crime are treated justly and that right. justice is served on both sides. That, so, I mean, it's, it's I, possible. I just don't possible to do it, and I'm really but, pleased. I, I've been a criminal defense lawyer for 20 years. And, and do I've you never, know what their political stands are? No, I've, you don't. You know, and I've represented, you know, everyone from mobsters in New York to whatever. Some of my family, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but I've never, I've never seen, hey, you know, I've never seen a, a – Nobody ever asks. Criminals don't care if they're if they're Democrats or Republicans. I understand, they, but you know, and, in this craziness that we live in right now, I just think it's mm -hmm. wonderful, and I'm most appreciative of the fact yeah. that the goal is the same, and that's what it's all about. It is. That the it, goal is the same is to, you know, treat our citizens fairly with respect and dignity, and when people commit crimes, you prosecute them to the full extent of the law. And let, let me tell you something. His his staff would say thirteen uh, ADAs, yes, thirteen ADAs. How long have you guys had 13 ADAs? Uh, we, a good while. I, I had 12 for the longest time, and a few years ago I did get an additional position added. Uh, but I can tell you we are overextended right now. We have, I tell folks that we have the three best sheriffs in the state of North Carolina in Sheriff Hughes, Sheriff Buck in Carter County, and Sheriff Davis in Pamlico. And believe me, they keep us busy. Uh, I, I told the sheriff a while back, I said, look, I need you to help me uh, get a couple more ADAs because so we can process, process and prosecute all these cases you're sending us because they're very proactive, which is good, and we want to be sure that each case gets the attention it deserves. Well, and that's and that's what I was getting at. I mean, you've had 13 for, for a good long while, yeah. but, uh, but – you know, we, we're still in the middle, and you guys can tell me more about this. We're still in the middle of this uh, drug epidemic, and so <clears throat> so probably we're seeing more and more, more and more crimes. And your ADAs do a fantastic job. I fight them tooth and nail every day on every case, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're they're very good. But it, it seems to me like you guys could use three more. I mean, well, we, we, we certainly could, and we're working on to try to add some additional uh, folks to our staff right now. That's part of what we're working with with the state budget, and we hope that's successful. But uh, the main thing is that we give each case the adequate attention that it deserves and work very closely with our victims. Oh, believe they, me, anybody listening, yeah. they give, they, they do. They, <laughs> they give it adequate attention. Yeah. I wish they'd give it less attention, make it easier on me, but you well, guys don't make it easier on defense attorneys. Well, that's not what we're supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> and really? That's Hold why on get, that's, that's why y'all get paid the big bucks, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm lucky if I get paid in chickens anymore. I hear you. So you got a couple of shout outs. So Sheriff Hughes is awesome and we want you to know that we appreciate you. Oh, so thank you. And um good morning uh, to uh Alderman Astor and Alderman Odom who says best duo you'll find anywhere. Hmm. So we're glad. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so here's my good friend Max, where you been? I buddy? told you. Where you I been? I told Max? you. Do your views on cannabis match those <laughs> of Attorney General Josh Stein since the report of the task force for racial equity came out? And he says, you cannot talk about improving racial equity in our criminal justice system without talking about marijuana, said Attorney General 
uh, Josh Stein, white and black North Carolinians use marijuana at similar rates, yet black people are disproportionately arrested and sentenced. Additionally, it's time for North Carolina to start having a real conversation about safe, measured public health approach to potentially legalizing marijuana. He is an un abashed champion right. for the legalization of marijuana. And I keep telling him how much I appreciate what he, his views are and how passionate he is. I said, take it to Raleigh, because that's where it starts. If that's, it's not changed right. in Raleigh, I can't do anything down here mm-hmm. with it. So, right. Um, but I love his passion. We need to have him on the show. I love his passion, and I hadn't seen him in a while, and I hope you're well, Max. But, you know, you know, the attorney general, I guess, is he over all the attorneys in the state and no, the attorney general actually is not over the attorneys. The district attorney, in some states, that is the case, the uh-huh. attorney general. But in North Carolina, uh, district attorneys are independently elected, and we report directly to the voters of our district okay. and the citizens. So, uh, you know, just as the sheriff does, just as the sheriff does, that's correct. He he works directly for the voters and the citizens. So, uh, I'll leave those issues to the legislature, the policymakers. Mm-hmm. I once was in the legislature a long time ago. <laughs> And I had to take a position and vote on many of those issues. The good thing about being district attorney is uh, we enforce the laws that the legislature passes. And I'll let them in their judgment and wisdom make that decision, and then yeah. we will proceed yeah. from there. And that's that's the way I think it should be. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's part of the great. three branches of government. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, we're, we're the enforcement branch. And um, they don't always ask us our opinion or us to weigh in. You know, the legislators do what they do, and, you know, we enforce the laws right. fairly and impartially. So so what's going on in the world of sheriffing? I mean, um, still I'm being told. I still told, love what I do. I know you do, but I'm still being told that the drug situation is still. Oh, it is. Know, yeah, it um, is. I mean, we're not going to. I know we're never going to get rid of <clears throat> right. it, but do you feel it's contained in some way? Yeah. <laughs> We're getting reports that, like, you know, our, our for the city, right. they're using Narcan, you know, yes, every ma'am. day. Yeah, yeah. Nar- <laughs> Narcan's being used, uh, Narcan's being abused in, in many cases. Uh, you know, when you've gone to the same place 10, 15, 20 times <clears throat> and administered Narcan to the same group yeah. uh, because they know you're going to show up and they know you're going to have Narcan and, you know, we are going to administer it. Uh, so, you know, it is, it's abused, you know, when someone is shooting up, but right before they shoot up, they call 911 to report an overdose. Um, yeah, that, that's a problem. My, and my understanding is that's what they call Narcan parties. So they take it to the edge. I guess you get, I, I, they take it to the edge and get some greater high knowing they're I call it, it's unfortunate, you know, because then we go to a place where, you know, someone is not abused the system or one of my deputies gets exposed to fentanyl or heroin or, or whatever. And. Uh, we have no Narcan, you know, so that's a problem. Uh, you know, we're not there to, uh, uh, and we're certainly not here to choose who gets it and who doesn't. I mean, we've got a limited amount of it, and it's not cheap. Um, but when it's used up at a Narcan party, if you will. No, that's what they're uh, calling it. I, I, I you know, That's not my word for it. That's The, no, the no, people that's, that I talk to that know. I represent, because yeah, I, I ask them, and yeah. I, I ask them, oh, it's like Narcan party. And I just want to just, you know, I just. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like I've said time and time again, um, we're not going to eradicate it, um, but I'm going to do everything I can with every resource that I have to make it so difficult for these criminals that want to bring these drugs that are killing our residents into this county uh, 
that I hate to say this, that they choose another location beside Craven County, right. and I don't like moving or Carter or Pamlico. That's, that's <laughs> it, and you know, and that's once again, that's the uh, the importance of the close working relationship that we have with our district attorney's office and the other sheriffs and all the law enforcement agencies within this county. You know, we're all lockstep on this thing together, and you know, we have the same goal of protecting our our people. Um. And we're very thankful that, that Scott takes the position of, you know, and, and if you've listened to his press conferences that we do together, he always talks about, you know, we do have people out there that we need to get help. And for those people, we've got a pathway for help, provided they want to help themselves. On the same token, those people that choose to sell this poison and traffic this poison into our counties, we got a pathway for them too. And he aggressively... Uh, prosecutes our cases of these traffickers and, that's where the partnership and dealers. Is so good. Oh, it is. I mean, you it's, can arrest them all day long, but if you don't have the support and assistance on the prosecutor, yeah. And you brought you know, side, then it, it's not yeah, going right. to make a difference in what you're doing. And you brought the political part of, yeah. in, earlier, you know. And uh, we are servants of the people, you know, uh, not a, not a party. Right. Uh, I'm a sheriff Absolutely. of the people. He's the, the district the attorney be. of our people. Absolutely. And (laughs) that never has that come into conversation when us sheriffs and Scott sit down to talk about how we make our communities and counties safer. It's always what's best for the people and how do we go about doing this. And uh, I could not be more thankful for the working relationship that I've got with the district attorney's office and Scott. We talk multiple times every week, as do the other sheriffs. And we're all, like I said, lockstep together on this thing. And you don't find that in a lot of prosecutorial districts where, you know, in, in some cases, you know, the, the sheriff or chiefs are at odds with their district attorney and it just, there's not a good fit. But we've got a model plan here and uh, we're, we're just so fortunate to have that. Well, what, what is, yeah, I mean, to tell, because I really don't we're know. Lots and of you're not supposed to, by the way, so y'all are getting a lot of love <laughs> online right now and everybody's Lawyers aren't supposed to ask questions you here. don't know the answer to, but... I always wondered what what is the relationship between the the sheriffs and and the district attorney's office? Do you guys set do you guys set policies and 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 like hey, the the DA will come and say this is this is where we want to go with this, and he kind of says you know let's let's target this area and the, and target this area, or how do you guys interact and decide how to and how to allocate the the, the resources that are limited? I, I don't know what I'm asking, but I, I want you know what is the relationship there between you guys. Well, <clears throat> and you got to admit, he's your favorite out of all three sheriffs. Today, well, now, I don't. I, 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 yeah, what? Well, today. Because they said Chris aren't here. <laughs> I was with Sheriff Buck last night at a, an event. So. <laughs> and they looked like they were having a good time. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah. what are you going to do? But, but seriously, I do tell everybody we have the three best sheriffs in the state right here. Uh, now, I'm not going to choose between the three of them. That will be like choosing between <laughs> my children or something. So I'm not going to. You know, but we know get, in this room, we know. We know, we know yeah. That, that's kind of like my, my youngest daughter. She always she will whisper to me, I know I'm really your favorite. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, we have an excellent working relationship. And what we do is communication. The sheriff just mentioned to you we talk multiple times a week. We go to lunch very often together, and I do the same with the other sheriffs and chiefs and law enforcement officers in our district. Um so we don't necessarily even have to have a formal set-down meeting because we're in communication on a daily basis anyway. And we share information with each other about various investigations that are going on and 
uh, certain targets in certain areas of the county or the district where we may be having trouble, and they uh, let, let us know that. And for the most part, you know, law enforcement officers, they conduct their investigations, they file their charges, and then we deal with them when they get to court. On the higher level uh, cases involving drug investigations, homicide investigations, we're working with them very closely also during the course of the investigation and then work with them to decide what charges or indictments to seek and then we work with them through the process, all the way through the process because uh, just as Sabrina mentioned that, you know, law enforcement can can charge a case but then you got to have the prosecutor to prosecute it and the way we look at it is the case does not end for law enforcement once they charge the case. That we see them as a full partner all the way to final disposition. So they're there with us in court. Obviously, if it's a trial, they're involved in the trial preparation and the trial. And even for pleas in the higher level cases, they're involved in those decisions and those conversations. But it seems to me like since you have the you have the all three of the the districts, you're in charge. You'd be like the the central go-to. You're the quarterback, and the sheriffs may be the wide receivers. And so, I mean, I was wondering, do the, is you know, do the do the operations start in your head? Do they start in his head, or they? The important thing is is we know what Scott's office needs to successfully prosecute. All right. These in many times complex. You're cases. training your staff to make sure that they're dotting all the eyes and crossing. It is, and, and you know, in all fairness, it's it's very. Uh, you know, when you have the former district attorney on your staff that keeping has, an eye on that has contact with our current district attorney on a daily basis, um, I, I think that's a huge asset as well. You know, so that's been very big for us. You know, for the former DA to be part of these, um, and of course, we're talking about cases. Major McFadden, Major McFadden, the major. <laughs> um, but that you know that that was. Uh, we thought that was a very good move to have that type of expertise in-house. Uh, they can have daily conversations with our district attorney, and, you know, they know what, what each other needs. And it's just uh, – it simplifies things for us. Uh, so there's not as much going back and we're forgetting things and stuff like that. So there's a good review process of every of every case that goes over. And just a – once again, communications is the key. Uh Scott tells us what he needs to get success, successful prosecutions. You know, nothing is worse than putting, you know, hundreds or thousands of hours, man hours, into complex investigations. And then, you know, because you have not done it correctly or you left something out, um, that person is back out on the street selling dope again or whatever. So that that's the importance of it. Okay. We know what he needs. We put it together, and then together it's – we got a question. Does the sheriff's department work closely with Craven County Schools on any of this by chance, perhaps education? And I don't know if she's talking about drug education or, or law education. I'm not sure, Candy, you may want to um, get a little more specific on that. But I know that it, it, we want to let our young people know the consequences yeah. of what they're doing. So I've got over 20 SROs now. Okay. And the hand, Thank you, Lord. I mean, hand, so we've got them. Oh, why? Because the city doesn't have to do it we, We've well, got them in know, every school. And and that they need to be under the control of Sheriff because he can – it's the big picture. And I feel much better, you know, knowing that. But with that being said, uh, the Sheriff has done an excellent job as our police chief and now starting to work together and have that relationship 
that um, we can all be working together on the same page to make sure our kids are protected and that they... Yeah, Newburn's not out of... I mean, yes, the, the, the SROs are not Newburn Police Department officers. However, they are still very much a part of, one, the transition, and two, the, the day-to-day law enforcement activities of these at these schools, you know. So our SROs are working very closely with the not only the former SROs of those schools, but also the officers that are assigned to that area, you know, who know the families, who know the kids, uh, who knows issues of those neighborhoods. I mean, because typically we do focus in the county, but my SROs, you know, now being in these schools in the city uh, are able to uh, do a lot with this information that New Bern Police Department and us having this close working relationship now are able to pass by. So you're working with Chief Gallagher? <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. And are you surprised that he doesn't have an Irish accent? Because I asked him that, and I wanted, I tried to teach him once, uh, Chip, but uh, he just he, he refuses to learn. Yeah. So what Candy was talking about was the drug education and prevention. Yeah, we so do. That's that's being handled in mm-hmm. there. So the other question for the day that I have here. Um, somebody would like you to address is, you know, they're saying they're very thankful for the enforcement of animal abuse laws and protecting our first citizens. Let me guess, Lisa regardless, Lee? Regardless, no, it's not her, regardless of local newspaper articles, <laughs> inability to yeah. research data of their success. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because um, I know you do an excellent job. You've gone above and beyond anybody I've ever known as far as uh, making sure animals are not abused. It had gone unchecked in the county. Uh, yeah. Far too long when well, we yeah. came in. It was a commitment. I did campaign on that. And, um, you know, we have a great team in place of dedicated, uh, some of them deputies, some of them civilian personnel that are going out once again, working very closely now with your Animal Protective Services Division mm-hmm. um, in, in the city. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, first and foremost, that division is about education. To go out and, ed- and and educate, you know the you know the responsibility of being a good uh, pet owner, and that you know just going and getting an animal, uh, a pet. It, there's more to it than just going and getting. You know, you have to properly care, rabies vaccinations, medicine, that sort of stuff, bedding, food, water, the basics. Um, you know, so we're out there first and foremost educating, and you know when we see folks that don't have proper housing or or food, water, we we offer that stuff to them and. All we ask is that they that they use it, and you know we answer any questions. We give them literature, make them aware of the ordinance, not only in the city but in the county, um, and help them out in any way that we can. Uh, so we use enforcement as a last resort, and uh, and I can't even tell you what was in the paper because I don't read it. With you on that one, I I, I got <clears throat> around the edges. So somebody makes the comment that um, their SRO uh, that one of your SROs in Vanceboro. She knows, and it's amazing to see how these kids love the police. We should always stay that way. Oh, it's such and, a short window, you, you know, know, and you that's it. Kids. And, you know, th- this is the kind of stuff that we have to instill at these age so we don't see what we're seeing today in the disrespect of law enforcement, whatever. Law enforcement is first and foremost there to protect the yes, citizens. Yes, ma'am. Period. Now, you know, in everything we do, everything we do, there's good and bad. There's good cop, bad cop. There is. good attorney, bad attorney. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, and so we, you know, growing up, your mother always say, oh, the bad make it worse for the good, you know, and 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 that's what's happened, you know, across our country. But, um, well, that's I'm, just, I, but I'm really excited to see that we're starting at a young age and we have to learn the respect. These are people here that protect us. Nobody wants to hurt us. Right. <laughs> you know, I would hope not. 
you know, there's always that instance. But um, we've got to instill that people like the, the police, the sheriff, the, the DA, these people are here to assist and to provide justice to all of our citizens. And, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes well, it doesn't. We've got, but, such a, we've got such a short window Absolutely. to have this interaction with, with children. You know, and that's why, you know, these SROs, there is an extensive vetting process. And um, I will go without before I put the wrong person in a school. And I said, I, I mean, our team puts the wrong person in there. And the vetting process is not only from, you know, my staff, but it's also from the school staff as well where they're going to have the buy-in of that principal. Um, you know, because they have to work closely together. I mean, that that SRO is there to help things run smoothly and to make sure not only the children but the staff are protected. So uh, it's it, it it's a huge job. Uh, Scott's wife is, is is a principal, and you know, and that's uh, a hard job in this day and time. It is. And yes. Everything that's you know happened with. COVID, with hurricanes. I mean, mm-hmm. we could lump all that together. It has not been easy. And these people, again, get up with the best of intentions, go to their jobs to provide the best resources they can in all areas, teachers, principals, policemen, politicians. You know, we, we go with the very best intent. And, you know, sometimes it isn't as good as people want it to be, but the intent is, I think, is good. And I wish people would just <laughs> well, and, and people who go into those jobs, those professions, law enforcement, educators, they do it because they want to help people and they right. want to serve. Right. And they are I've often said they're underappreciated and underpaid. Right. And I'm going to tell you a, a crisis that we're, I was going to say, in the future, but I think we're in right now. It's hard right now to hire teachers. It's hard to hire people in law enforcement. It is. It's hard to hire people to work at our at our county detention facility, detention officers, at our state correctional facilities. And at some point, we've got to be sure that we're making the proper investments in law enforcement, in corrections, and in education, and other things that uh, where we're having this interaction with people on, on, the, on the front end, with young students. And uh, there's a quote somewhere that it's a lot cheaper to educate a, a child the right way than have to deal with them later. Uh, cheaper to educate than incarcerate. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and and that's what we're all after. And I'd like to commend the sheriff. He's done an outstanding job. You know, some sheriffs try to uh, run away from taking on additional tasks and responsibilities because they're already overburdened. But he stepped forward on these SRO positions, and now he has, what would you say, 20? We've got over 20. Over 20 throughout the county. And that's that's a huge responsibility and a huge burden. And in addition to just having an SRO in our schools, Anytime uh, we have any sort of public events at our, our public schools in Craven County, I know our sheriff's office uh, deputies and other employees are out there. They're in the schools uh, meeting with the students and the parents and the staff. So, you know, Sabrina just, Sabrina just mentioned, you know, the, the country it's going crazy out there, blah, 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 blah. It's been, I mean, admittedly, the, the law enforcement has gotten bad press this last year. Um, and all this stuff, and it hasn't it hasn't really hit Newburn. Um, it hasn't really hit Newburn because uh, I think in we're large good part, people. I, you know, but I in large part, the, just... the cops that the cops that Chief Gallagher <clears throat> is hiring, they are bright, and they you, you go into court, and I see them, they're like Twenty One Jump Street, just they're, <laughs> and they're all articulate. They're they're, so, but what are with all this mess going out? What makes us different here 
in this little neck of the woods in your judicial district right here what are some of the what are some of the things that you're proud of here and and, and where can we see you going in the future well uh what I always talk about when we're talking, whether it's a, a drug operation or anything involving in fighting crime and making our community safer, is that it requires a comprehensive approach to include education, prevention, treatment in cases of, of drug addiction, and also tough enforcement. And we're all on the same page. We have a great team with our sheriffs, with our police chiefs, and my office in, in buying into that, education, prevention, treatment, and tough enforcement. And we're all about tough enforcement. As the sheriff mentioned, if you have a, a repeat offender, a drug trafficker, drug dealer, we're all about prosecution and sending to prison as long as we can. And oftentimes we'll get 10, 15-year prison sentences for that. But on the front end, we also understand that it's just as important on the education, prevention, and, and treatment end of it. And that's not just with regard to drug cases, but with regard to crime in general. One of the things that I think has made a big difference in our prosecutorial district of Carter at Craven and Pamlico with law enforcement is that you don't just see law enforcement show up when they're called and when there's trouble. They invest in these communities early on. They're involved in community engagement efforts. They're involved in working with citizens, working with groups, working with our schools. So we already have those positive relationships in the community, our law enforcement officers do and my office does as well. So I think there's some amount of, uh, of, of respect and understanding each other on the front end with, between our law enforcement and our communities. Hey, and let me, let me ask this. Uh, are, and and I'm a, I have my own opinion, but it, it doesn't matter. matter. But for the PPM, <laughs> does, I'm not here for my own opinions. But the, you know, are, are we winning this thing? Are we winning? The, are we winning? Um, is, is there a, a positive outlook for people out there with the, the drugs and the crime? Are we making a difference? Are we winning this thing? Is, is there an end? I, I'm going to tell you, I mean, we're not immune here to the national trends and the state trends. I mean, we're seeing an increase in drug use and violence in certain areas uh, and also in overdoses. But I can tell you everything that can be done in this district is being done between my office and law enforcement. And uh, I think we're better positioned here uh, to be sure that we have safer communities than in some other areas where they don't have the same benefits and working relationships that we have and that's what i'm that's what i'm yeah. getting it's the work you know you're one what's the magic here what's the magic here what's different what makes craven county newburn pamlico carter different where's the magic I, it's what I other, hear, other it's communication it's the it's, passion for others before self somebody said that and i believe that's true and it's when you have that passion it works somebody posed this question um chip so i'm not sure they said they have concerns about support for officers dealing directly with overdoses. I think early on in the conversation we talked about the danger to an officer, mm -hmm. you know, doing that. Are, are we offering support so, and training and all that kind of good so stuff? So, yeah, we're, so we're, we're huge on training. We do. We constantly, every week, we have our deputies and personnel in, in some type of training. So that's kind of a twofold there. You know, one, the protection is, you know, when they're, you know, dealing with crime scenes and, and dealing with drugs, whether it's searches or, or seizures or whatever, you know, they do glove up and at times mask up as well. Uh, but also from the mental aspect of it, you know, when you go to these overdoses and you continuously see folks that are overdosed, uh, what they're going through. They're not breathing. You know, my deputies are administering CPR almost on a daily basis and Narcan. Um, that does wear on your, your mental health. I don't care how strong you think you are. You know, we are, we are human. 
these are things that you once you see them you don't unsee them and you really don't get numb to it you know um unfortunately you, you know when you walk into a house and you see the mother that is overdosed there and <clears throat> the three-year-old child is sitting right there um that that takes its toll on you know the ems the fire that uh the fire folks that that respond, the the law enforcement officer, the DSS worker, and then you know once you know if it does get into the court system, now you know the the case and the district attorneys have to deal with that. So now they're they're reading these statements. So a lot of people are affected, but we do have folks that our deputies can talk to, um, and they're not always going to ask. So a lot of times we have to reach out to them and go, hey, listen, we know what you saw. You know, right. just understand. Uh, in some cases, uh, I mandate that they sit down and talk and have a debrief, not only with peers, but other professionals. Professionals, yeah, and I think that's a good thing because, you know, it's... But the overdose concern is, is extremely concerning, the exposure to my to my team. Right. Um, so another... we're Let me tell you something. We're really going good here today. We got a lot of comments. Um, it's probably about your uh, Mr. T starter cat necklace you're yeah. wearing. Our canine, our canine unit has been key... And where, oh, let's say it left, in, in catching some of these, oh, in uh, catching dealers, abusers that may have been missed otherwise. So I know you, that's a good part of what you're doing. Another comment is uh, crucial incident stress debriefing program. Yeah. What? That's, What's that? Well, that's a it's, debriefing it's, program, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. It, it's an opportunity to where, I mean, it's kind of like a peer to peer support, uh, you know twofold one is a lot of times they will sit down with other officers that have been through the same thing and how have they coped with it another is we bring in professionals uh that aren't attached to our office and uh they basically have a big round table discussion uh and it's a confidential type thing so everything is able to be brought out on the table and a lot of times we we have other issues that arise from these conversations that that we deal with and the county has put <coughs> Uh, resources in place now so so all this is covered let, let me tell you wasn't. something that happened last friday at my office and you know fridays i see court appointed people and um lady charged with uh heroin possession of heroin came into my office black eye um scratches she looked like she was gonna she she just looked like she was gonna die and so i sat her down in the chair and in the same chair where probably you know i've lost you know how it is we've I've probably lost 30 people in the last five years. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, with all due respect, you're not going to make it through the weekend. I've had many people like you. I, I don't want to freak you out, but you're just not going to make it through the weekend. I said, I know exactly what happened. Let me take a guess. Your dealer who put you out on the street beat you up because you wouldn't give him money. Yeah, that's the deal. Um, she she just, so I, I said, here's what's going to happen. It's your It's your lucky day. Kelly was in the other room. We, we put her on the phone. We talked to Walter B. Jones. Walter B. Jones. Um, the rehab center. The re rehab center. We, we, we took her. She did the intake. They brought a, um, they brought a uh, social worker up from Carteret. This lady drove all the way from Carteret. Um, I said, okay, it was, it was going to be a great day. Sat there. Um, I went back in my office because I had to see other people and I couldn't babysit her. Um, I went out a half hour later, she was gone and she was just gone. And so like a, you know, you wonder what keeps you guys going. 
like a fool, I jumped in my truck and I drove around downtown. Trying to find. I drove around downtown like like you know, Lee, you're an idiot. <laughs> you, you you know what the you know what the outcome yeah. is. It, she she wasn't there, um, wasn't there, and uh, the lady the Carteret lady came up and I sat there just apologizing profusely that that this is what happened. She went to we went to um, she had court on Tuesday. Not there, not there, and I wouldn't be surprised if 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 I looked in the obits and I won't do it because I don't want to see it. Yeah. But you know, given given that, given that, and you, you hear that you guys are, you you know what you're that's just once and it happens mm -hmm. maybe once well, that, once that, a month. But you guys, you know, you guys, where's the where's what keeps you going, Scott? What keeps you going when it when it seems like you're just pushing that rock up up the hill every every day and then it falls down every well, night? I want to throw in this question because. Someone says that the police are administering Narcan over and over to the same people. Why aren't they taken to rehab? Um, and, you know, I, I do know it might not work because the addicted person can check out whenever they want, but, and that's the problem. And that they've got to want to help themselves. Yes. So my people yes. just can't go, you're going to rehab and you're coming with me. Um, it, it's not. You know, and a, lot of, a lot of times there has to be some type of court order or – some right. type of involuntary commitment, and th there's a process that has to go to. But really, at the end of the day, um, that person has to want to help themselves. You know, we are going to continue to show up at these sites and administer Narcan as we have it because we don't choose, okay, you get it and you don't. Right. Because you've right. called five times, they've called. That's, that's not our decision to make. Yeah, and, and one of the programs that we have uh, working with the sheriffs in all three counties is a, is a, a pre-trial um, treatment program. And oftentimes, Lee, you know, as a defense attorney, if we have a first-time offender or somebody with a user level of drugs, if they're arrested and charged and they're in the county jail, then uh, if they're agreeable, we can modify their bond for them to be released and transported directly to a treatment facility. And we work with several local providers. We even work with Trosa in Durham and they're they're wonderful place all yeah and that's like a two-year program so what we do on the front end we tell that defendant again if it's a if it's a low-level offender or or first or sometimes second time offender we say uh, we'll modify your bond you can be released from the jail you'll be transported directly to a treatment facility and then if you successfully complete treatment and demonstrate good behavior then you will get some consideration on the back end with your case doesn't mean their case just goes away, but it means they'll get some some mitigating factors and some consideration on the end right. of the case, and that for the, that works well. And oftentimes, you don't always hear about those success stories. You hear about the folks right. who are overdosing, yeah. but believe me, there are a lot of success stories and a lot of people uh, who are living today because of that program. So, question: um, After you administer Narcan, and I guess they come back. You Sometimes the, do you take do you take him to the hospital or you just hold on? Did you hear what he just said? Sometimes I and I I did hear that, but so the person that has been revived via Narcan mm -hmm. to the ones that have most of the time, um, you know it's drugs. You know it's an oh it is because so because a lot of times of a, a lot of times there's curious. paraphernalia in the in the right. immediate area like a needle hanging out of their arm. Right. Um, so. A lot of times they will come to and they are very aggressive and ticked off that we have ruined their high. Uh, so they refuse to be transported and leave. And, you know, we can't physically 
or stop them from doing that. And you know, there's there's a good Could Samaritan law. And Can you charge them with possession of drug paraphernalia? It, it, there has to be a certain amount of narcotics in place, more than personal use. Uh, it's a good Samaritan law that was put in some time ago to protect those that would call 911 or would not have called 911 in fear of being charged with the narcotics and paraphernalia that was in place. Mm-hmm. So folks were dying and they were like, well, I didn't call because I didn't want to be the one that had to take the charge for this stuff here. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a law that probably needs to be looked at. And, you know, there probably at some point needs to be some penalties for these folks that are abusing it. I mean, because the resources that it's taken from those uh, that are not abusing it. And I want to go back to what the district attorney was talking, you know, about those folks that, uh, you know, the that we try to get help that, you know, first time or maybe second time, not a major offense. Um, This does not include the traffickers and dealers, by the way. You don't get that chance. Right, right. Um, So another another question they're asking, so what if there's a child there? So you come and the the mother's overdose, you talked about that before, and there's a three-year-old child. Is that a reason to arrest for a a child abuse, something like that? Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess you have to be really... uh, it's hard to determine when you walk into a site like that. Is there going to be an arrest made? What's the thing? Or is the main concern just saving the life of the person that's there right. and then going about your marriage? No, no, it's you no. Know, I don't know. There's a whole. There's a whole. There's a bunch of different things that yeah, that go on. Heart. You know, whether you know, do we bring in DSS uh, to to start processes there for the child uh, to make sure that the child ends up in a safe place? You know, it's not unusual for my deputies to have a child for an ex, you know extended period of time I'm not saying an overnight but to right. have them with them for a good part of the day mm-hmm. until we are confident that that child's going to be in a safe place whether it's next of kin whether it's a responsible neighbor another family member whatever or DSS so it, you know there's really no set guidelines for every because so many of them are different and yes in some cases there are charges when there's a child there there's narcotics present and that the family member did this. It was not an accident, you know. So, uh, yeah, it, it, sometimes there are. Well, and if Ooh, if if, got if a lot if, on your plate, Chip. If you're walk, <laughs> if you're watching on Facebook right now, you can see the face of Scott Thomas and Chip Hughes. If you're listening on the radio station t- mm. t- um, later on, what, what's the, what's what's the uh, so ninety six point three ninety six point three six p.m. tonight? You can hear the replay of this show. But if you're but if you're if you're listening on the radio, you're not going to see it. But as as you look into Scott's eyes and you look into Chip's eyes, you know what you see? You see hope. You don't see, you don't see people. No. <laughs> Tired. No, you don't. You Bags. See what, what, you, what you don't see, you don't see. Chip looks like he's been on the sheriff's boat, but you don't see that. You know I've got a boat, right? I know. You saved, my, you saved me. I, again, thank you. You saved me. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, riding uh, down, I'm headed toward, uh, down toward, no, I know this isn't where we're going, but anyway, talk, you brought up the boat that I'm very proud of. Uh, which we use asset forfeiture money from drug dealers to buy. Uh, going down toward uh, right yeah, yeah, past yeah. Fairfield, we were going to head down to, to Cherry Point and work some out there. And there's two gentlemen in the water. A couple of morons on with, a broken sailboat. With a broken sailboat waving. <laughs> now, I was actually that? swimming. Oh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Lee was in the water swimming with a rope as if he was going to pull this uh, big sailboat. Uh, would you have to swim about 400 yards, maybe? No, it was like uh, six miles. Okay. 
Got lots like, of good. What's the chance of finding these two guys in the middle of nowhere with a broke sailboat? I got lots of good questions. Anyway. People are really engaged. A doctor so. and a lawyer, but you know, you see that if you're on the radio, you're not going to see you're not going to see the sparkle in these guys' eyes and the hope in these guys' eyes. And my question is, where in the world does that come from? Well, you you were asking earlier, and I would say that you know. My purpose and the thing that motivates me is trying to help people to, and to also to build safer communities. Most people assume that when the sheriff and the and the DA that we're interested in, you know, just locking people up and sending them to prison, and we are interested in doing that for the offenders that need that. Uh, but we spend probably at least as much time or half of our time trying to help people on the front end, whether it's community engagement, involvement activities, whether it's to work with the sheriff and his SROs. Uh, with our students and our school system and other things throughout the community. So it's not just a matter of, you know, locking everybody up and prosecuting everybody and sending them to prison, though we're certainly glad to do that when it needs to be done. It, the other half of our job is, is working with folks and to try to build safer communities, and we work with families on a daily basis. I get calls just about a daily basis from parents, grandparents, uh, who have a loved one who's most of the time they're abusing drugs and they're trying to get help. But the bottom line is, until a person is charged with a crime, I don't have any authority to make them do anything. And oftentimes families are in situations where their loved ones have been stealing from them to support their drug habit. And sometimes families, I explain, I can't make the person do anything. Uh, and sometimes families make the decision to have the person as a last resort charged with a criminal offense for stealing from their own family so that then we can have some control in, in forcing them to get some sort of help. So several comments. Let's, let's talk a little bit about this. Um, somebody wants to know, have you ever arrested somebody having an overdose in a vehicle? If so, would prosecution be similar, something similar to a DUI? And, and is there like a minimal personal amount of use, drug use, kind of like alcohol percentage for DUI? Like if you test, you know, if you get your point. If they're appreciably impaired. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no point zero eight for drugs. If okay. you're appreciably impaired, you show all the signs of being appreciably impaired. And there's, you know, so you probable. Could be prosecuted. Is it called a DUI? I guess it's driving CWI. under the influence. Driving while impaired still impaired, is the same. It's yeah. impaired mm -hmm. in New York. It's influence. So, um, you know, uh, that's. The deal. It's it is what it, it is. is. It is. Yeah. It's not. I think some people think it's just alcohol. You're it's not. Kid. It's any impairing substance right. Yeah. Right. that will appreciably impair your mental right. or physical. And, and this is a good observation. China and Mexico is bringing this in. We we know that with a flailing economy and depressed people, we are looking to arrest our own citizens. Stop the source. It's only going to get worse. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's yeah. like you know the yeah. sheriff and I. We at, at the local level, we can only do so much. I mean, we have jurisdiction over our district. Uh, but a lot of that, as you mentioned, is coming into our, our country several different ways and sources. And, you know, we have to have the support at the federal level through the DEA and other federal agencies to try to stop it from coming in to begin with. We can try to stop it from coming in with our jurisdictional boundaries in these counties. And then if it gets in, then we take in investigative and enforcement action here. Right. Um, so someone says, I've noticed that since COVID has hit us, Will the sheriff's department restart the street checkpoints once again? Um, will we restart the checkpoints again? We and stop we, them. <laughs> we we still do checkpoints um, in in certain areas where we have high crime areas where we're having a lot of uh, complaints that are driven by citizens. 
uh, that's one thing that we will go in and do uh, to show a presence and to deter crime. So um, we haven't stopped. We've taken more safety precautions than we, we did in the past. Um, but uh, I, I did want to go back, um, you know, when we were talking about, you know, our partnership here, um, working closely with the district attorney's office over just my time in, and, you know, December will be three years for me, we have saved together millions of dollars in taxpayers' money by getting people out of our jails in a timely manner that, one, do not need to be in there for an extended period of time for the crime that they committed. Right. So getting them speedy trials, but also getting those folks that have extensive medical issues as well. Because when they're in the jail, that's on our dime. Uh, so once again, uh, working very closely with the district attorney's office, recognizing these people, and then see what we can do to get them out, whether it's on ankle monitor or whether it's, you know, getting them through the court process and, and, and getting them out of the jail. That is a huge cost avoidance, if you will. And, you know, it's hard to put an exact dollar on it. We, we went well over a million about a year and a half into it because, you know, it's nothing but a couple heart attacks, multiple babies, stuff like that. So having that close working relationship to look at that list of who's in there and how do we get them out in a timely manner has saved this county millions. Right. Well, if you if you guys want to just let all my clients go, they'd be they'd be happy. <laughs> That's your job, pri- right? Prison? Are we having well, no, I mean, if you, if, Are we having some if, plea bargaining? No, we're you're saying we need to go ahead and move them to the state penitentiary. No, I've got a I've got a list if you guys want to save money, I could just hand to the list and we'll just let, let them go. And I don't know how much time we have left but one thing a few minutes i wanted to touch on another thing that i think uh that i'm very proud about our folks here in our district working on uh from our superior court judges our district court judges our clerks of court sheriffs and even the uh defense attorneys lee uh (laughs) over the past year while we've been dealing dealing with covid during what i call the covid shutdown there were many uh courthouses in this state that were literally completely closed down and did zero cases other than absolute emergency cases. And working together here in this district with our senior resident Superior Court Judge Josh Willie, we were, we were able to put a plan in place that had protocol, safety protocols with uh, distancing and, and masking and other protections in the courthouse that for the most part, we were able to keep our courts running. And the first thing we did when, when COVID was, was first announced uh, months ago now, we work with our sheriffs to go through the jail list and identify cases that we could go ahead and expedite and, and get in court. And some of those cases were people who we knew based on their charge and their uh, record were going to go to prison, so we tried to expedite those cases and get them out of the county jails. There were other people that we realized that based on their charge and their record would probably get a probationary sentence. We expedited those so that they could go ahead and, and plead guilty and get their probationary sentence. And then we reviewed the rest of the inmate population to determine if any were appropriate for the sheriff's electronic monitoring program. So we did that early on to try to reduce this population because they had COVID concerns in the jail as well. But throughout the months after that, uh, we kept we kept going. We couldn't have jury trials for obvious reasons, uh, but we kept our administrative courts running, our district courts running, and we had uh, cases scheduled throughout the day so we didn't have so many people in the court but I'm very proud of all of our efforts working together to keep those those cases moving as much as and, possible. Um, Megan is saying she sees many ankle monitors teaching at the college workforce development. So she's 
is there. Mm-hmm. It's great to get them back working in society rather than sitting in jail. Yeah. So right. and they, these are not yeah. just these are nonviolent offenders, by right. the way. Yeah. So I mean, people just, have made mistakes in a lot. of They have, yeah. and you know, the sooner we can get them out, they learn a trade, you know, and they you know start paying their child support. They start being a productive member of society. Many of them want to be part of the solution and not to continue to be part of the problem. So I mean, it's it's a very good. Yeah. And I, I I'll be honest with you, I you know this is from a personal. Uh, experience you know guy that works for us you know how hard it is to get employees now especially in the restaurant and <laughs> last week and, that's every that's everywhere you know it is but you know had a i, I don't know marijuana it no it was it was marijuana it was you know um went and tested and and it was in there and so they're gonna put him in jail for 30 days <laughs> you know it was gonna be that we were like please you know we don't have enough people he comes to he's never late for work right. he's he works hard when he gets there and so i wish there was some leeway you know uh, i think they worked it out got worked through his attorney and whatever and he didn't have to stay in the 30 days but ankle monitor you know, whatever it is but we worked it out and that's important for us you know again i think it's good working with the workforce you know where the the employers as you release people or as you can get more people out on monitors or whatever, things like that, they don't need to be sitting in a jail because it costs you money well, and know, it costs me money. I know the restaurant. <laughs> I mean, yeah, can't. when you see restaurants here in Newburn that were open six days a week. Right. And now they're open four days a week. Right. It's really bad. I mean, you know, you come downtown to go to one of your favorite restaurants and they're closed on a Wednesday yeah. or something like that. I mean, it's just – so. I certainly understand because uh, my jail is extremely shorthanded right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's unfortunate that uh, many of these people, whether it's it's in the food industry or, or local government, can, um, can make more money, as they say, by sitting home on their butt yeah. doing nothing. I can do getting, what? We can sit home and do nothing? Getting stimulus checks and unemployment. Uh, that's sad. Um, of course, that's not the kind of people you want working for you that's going to take that approach. But, right. yeah, I mean, I'm extremely short in the jail right now. I've been meeting with commissioners and about how do we fix this. You know, we have to be um, – we have to take care of our people. Um, and we've got to look at what they're doing in, in the private sector as well because that's who we're competing with. Right. And, you know, when they can go to McDonald's in some places and make more than they can working in our confinement facility – um, that's a problem. Right. And I know, um, just a, a, a last comment to my, my <clears throat> good listener, Diane, um, she she wanted to know, is there a minimal personal use of cannabis? And and personal use, that's another subject, Diane. These are people who um, are on probation or something and have to get drug tested, and that's the different issue. No, there's you know, no personal I, use of cannabis <laughs> in North Carolina. It's but, illegal. Yeah, it, it is. Um, hey, can I can but, I change change the subject yeah, quickly? Because I'm gonna. I know, I know. I have but, a final was, parting comment. Uh, the, the, the district <laughs> attorney was just talking about the judges and this and that and all, everybody. Last week, Judge John Nobles had his retirement. Uh, I, I couldn't make it yeah. there. John Nobles, uh, he was our Superior Court um, uh, judge. Awesome probably guy. one of the finest, most intelligent, not probably, he is the finest, most intelligent, um, wise man on judge I've ever seen in my life. As a gentleman, tough, 
fair. And I just, you know, it, it, they made him retire because he, he's got old. I would say that's what, no. Well, it, 72, I wouldn't say old. But, but they make you retire at a certain 72, age. yes. So he just, you know, he just got, that's when you, the wisdom starts. And I just want to say that I didn't make it to his retirement because I was helping somebody here. Right. But just the finest man ever. And he's one of the things that, make, that made our judicial district so great. He was wise. The other thing is, look, Scott and his family, his brother was the, the mayor of of Greenville. Yes. Scott and his family have dedicated themselves to Craven County. Service. They know what needs to, in the 3B Judicial District, they know what needs to be done. And from what I've heard here today, it's Scott's institutional knowledge of Eastern Carolina and his district that has allowed him to, to build the bridges with the sheriffs. And that, in the end, makes us all safer. It, it really does. Not my clients, because he's putting them in jail, but um, <laughs> it makes taxpayers and law-abiding citizens safer and so i just want to say thank you and we'll just continue to and i want i want to thank you both for being here today we've had a great show a lot of people i do have a final parting comment of course um today and um this is going outside the boundaries of newburn but um in this these very trying days this week with the fall of kabul and and afghanistan i just want to um, speak out to all of our service people, all of the people who have served in our military past and, and present, who have been in Afghanistan, who have been in Iraq. Your service meant mm -hmm. something. Your, you kept me free. You allowed me and my children and everybody sitting at this table the, the pure essence of freedom. It's emotional to see what we're seeing on TV right now, but not for a minute should you ever think that anyone who gave the ultimate sacrifice gave it in vain. They did not, and um, we are just praying on a regular basis for the safety of all American citizens in Afghanistan right now and that we can get as many Afghanis out of there that want to get out of there and away from these terrible clutches of the Taliban. So I just, I pray it. I hope you hear my voice today and know that your service meant something. And that's it. And it's. I it love emotional. you, Sabrina. <laughs> it is emotional, but. Uh, it, oh, where, where's our. Oh, I, I love you. I Sabrina. mean, as well I'm, I'm watching it all week, it's been really. It's been tough to watch. But, Lee, another good Friday, another good show. And um, next week, we'll think about something else, won't we? <laughs> Doubt it. Well, we're not. No, we're, we just put a stick of fork in it. We're done. This was just the we best show done. ever. We are done. We are done. So, everybody, thanks again to um, Sheriff Chip Hughes and to our district attorney, Scott Thomas. Always a pleasure. Guys, come back Thank and see you. us Thank again. You. And, Lee, what are we going to do? I'm the foggiest notion. We're going to see you on the oh, sidewalk. We'll see you on the sidewalk. Weather. Okay, everybody, have a great so, week. I have no idea. Thanks. All right.